This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. For the very first time, we're going to continue in the subject where we've been talking about the UX job landscape, just talking about any and everything related to how you operate in the job world, whether you're a person seeking a job, a person that's managing teams, a person that's looking to get involved. There's a lot of things that we have to consider. You don't just up and go into UX. There's a lot that's going on. A lot of people keep trying to oversimplify UX. They're going to do it to their detriment and to the detriment of the people who listen to them. We're here to tell you that UX is complex and you're going to start somewhere. We, when we start, we don't know very much at all. That's fine. That, that doesn't mean you're a bad person that people are so sensitive today. And like, Hey, I got news for you right off the bat. If you're hypersensitive, UX is not for you. Because there's a whole lot going on over here and a whole lot of things you need to consider. And when you do your design work, you can do your absolute best on all fronts, whether it's your design, your research, your strategy, whatever you do. And it can fall flat on its face all because somebody wants to do what they want to do and they will ignore you. So this is a place for thick skin. If you don't have thick skin, then you have to develop it. Uh, which means that you're going to take a lot of bumps, a lot of bruises. And and that's why we, we, we tell you what you need to know, because th- this is not a joke over here. This is not, you're not working at a fast food restaurant and no disrespect to folks in the fast food restaurants, but this is not something you just up walk in the door and just start doing. No matter what anybody tells you, no matter, no matter where they're coming from, it's folks, UX is... It is a specialized discipline. It requires a lot of skill. It requires a lot of effort. And even though you have a lot of people that oversimplify what's going on, they are misrepresenting it. And it will eventually, if you if you drink that Kool-Aid, eventually what UX really is, you'll come face to face with it. And if you have been drinking that Kool-Aid, you're not going to be ready And you're going to be extremely disappointed and frustrated. So as I say often, we don't want to see you go through that. So we're going to give you what you need to know. And sometimes it may not be comfortable. I love what somebody said recently. I'm going to tell you like it is. And someone actually said the other day, they said that Darren Hood, he tells you exactly what he thinks with no apology. And for the record, that's code for he's opinionated. You can ignore him. Um, But Game knows game. And that's something that we need to know and understand today. Even if you are just getting started, you're going to find that as you develop, as you mature in UX, you might approve of somebody at one stage, 
of your growth. And then you find out, you know what? That's not really that solid. You know what? That's not really dependable. You know what? I saw everything, the direct opposite of what that person said. So you, you, you develop a filter. You, you develop a sense of appreciation. You develop a sense of value. When we were kids and someone would ask us what we wanted to eat, if we had our choice when we were kids, we would have lived off of ice cream, cake, cookies, candy, peanut butter, whatever. And, and as we got older, then our, especially if we mature properly, got to throw that in there. If we mature properly, our taste changed, our value system. We didn't just grow physically, our value system grew. We began to place value on things that we didn't value at a younger stage. And folks, it's the same exact thing over here in UX. So a lot of the loud folks out here today are trying to appeal to people at their more infantile UX stage. I used to have an infantile UX stage. I did not have thick skin when I first started. I learned you've got to have thick skin in order to thrive over here, in order to really grow, in order to be able to bring value, in, in order to be able to make it when you put your best foot forward and someone just throws your design over their shoulder because they like a different color or because they just want to do what they dreamt about last night. So they throw all your work out. Folks, that's the reality. So if you want to thrive in UX, you want to embrace realism because that's where the rubber meets the road. And that's where we're really made, where, we, where we're really uh, going to be put in a position to truly grow and bring value to our organizations, to our users, to everyone, so to your teams. So just a little bit of information to sort of, sort of get us started here on today. Before I get into today's content, and think of this as today's episode as more of a potpourri episode, but still covering the same topic, but I'm just going to cover a lot of different things on today. Every time I, you see UX Potpourri, for those of you that are new to the podcast, that means I'm going to be talking about a whole bunch of different topics. Uh, so we're just Potpourri. That's what it is. Before I get into the topics, though, I wanted to make a quick announcement, and it's that uh, it has come to my attention, uh, and I think other people have been doing this, and I had not been doing it. I just discovered it, and YouTube is pushing this. And so also is one resource that we use called Headliner. We are now, for this show, we are now putting episodes. And we started, went all the way back from, to the beginning, to episode one of, of the world of UX. Uh, the, we're going all the way back to the beginning, and we are starting to put the world of UX on YouTube. So you'll be able to go to the UX Uncensored channel. We decided to, to put it there. We decided not to start a separate World of UX channel. I mean, maybe we may change that one day, but for now, uh, everything is going to go under UX Uncensored. So if you, if you frequent YouTube and you'd like to, that's convenient for you to hear the podcast out there. By all means, go out there. You'll start to see, I believe today I posted the first four episodes and last week's episode. We're all posted to YouTube, so you can go to the UX Uncensored channel, and you can see them, or you can search for the world of UX, and you should be able to find different episodes 
of the world of UX. And some of you got on board with the podcast well after we started. So if you're willing to sit through all of our initial growing pains <laughs> where we did not have really good sound quality and we were experimenting with different things, if you can take all of that, by all means, the content's going to be solid. It's going to be something you can sink your teeth into and something that's going to truly help you grow. The realism, folks, uh, that information is there. So I wanted to announce that. I'm really excited about that and looking forward to see how well that works for everybody. You will not see me on video. It's just an image. So it's one of those things where you can you can play it, but it's just like listening to it on Spotify or or, or Amazon Prime Music or wherever you choose to listen to the podcast. So wanted to make sure that folks are aware of that. And now let's dive into four topics that I want to cover for this potpourri section on today. Now, the hot topic in UX right now has to do with layoffs. So we're talking about the job world, right? So here's one of those topics that people don't want to talk about, but truth of the matter is, this is life, and we're going to have to deal with this. So we're going to cover this, but I'm going to cover it maybe from a little bit different of an angle than maybe some other people have been covering. And so we know about all the layoffs at Meta. We know about the layoffs just in the tech world, but also in a lot of UX spaces and a lot of UX teams. And I want to put these issues to rest from different angles. Now, we, we definitely empathize and sympathize with people who've been laid off. It's really sad. You hate to hear it. But we need to have a sense, uh, a dose of realism along with this. And I told my students, there was one, I've mentioned this before recently, there was one UX team that had over 900 people on their UX team, which when I heard it, I'm going, that is absolutely insane. And I told my students one day, it is a matter of time before they go in there, realize that what they did in hiring all those people was grossly incorrect. Not only did they have too many people on their team, but they had poor leadership in place. So there's no way in the world when you have poor leadership and you have a lot of unqualified people and you have too many people, there's no way in the world that you're going to consistently bring value. That's, it's, it's a dysfunctional setup and it's going to have dysfunctional results. It's a matter of time. And I mentioned to some of my students during a lecture, that company in particular, I didn't give the name of the company, and I'm not going to give the name of the company now. But I said, it is a matter of time before that thing hits the wall. And, and when that thing hits the wall, because we, we like to rejoice about how many UX jobs are out there. And we like to sort of wallow in all of the stuff that's going on and talk about how hot supposedly the UX job market is. But again, in, in the name of realism, there's a lot of leaders out here, folks, that are not as excited as we are about UX. And, and there's one person who are a, a very uh, um, skilled and knowledgeable person in the UX arena who walked into his job one day and they just came in and let the entire UX team go. And part of the reason was because the leader who made that decision hates UX. Why would somebody hate UX? Does that make any sense? We can't make heads or tails out of it unless you 
are drinking what I'm going to call the reality Kool-Aid. And when I say that, this is good Kool-Aid because the truth of the matter is that there's a lot of leaders who are simply, they don't respect UX, they don't like UX, they don't understand UX, and they're looking for excuses to get rid of the UX team. And someone walked in his job one day, don't know what happened the day before, don't know what happened the week before, but that person didn't just sit at their desk and think of this. This is something that just, he finally, something came to a head, and that was it. And he came in and just whacked the entire UX team. They are not excited like we are. And when you have misinformation making its rounds the way that it is in UX, when you have people who will, are willing to fake their way into a UX job, which means they are going to misrepresent the discipline. And it's ironic that the people who like to fake their way through UX, like to lie to get a UX job, are also some of the main people with their noses square up the rear end of some leader somewhere, just brown nosing it to the nth degree, and the entire time they're not in the business of representing UX the right way. And so these people, when they interact with leadership, they are going to leave a sour taste in leadership's mouth, and that's going to create problems for a UX team. So that's the reality of it. Now, uh, someone we were have some of us were some people I respect dearly. We were having a conversation recently, and someone was talking about how they like to say things that that let people know what they can go out and do. And I'm of the the school. I come from the school of thought where all I need to do is hear something. Anything I hear can be translated into action, and I think that's at the pinnacle. Not saying the other person's not. Got to say that for the oversensitive people out here which I'm not going to cater to. I'm just saying that today. When, when you operate at higher levels of emotional intelligence and critical thinking, you can turn anything you hear into a call to action. You hear information. I mean, think about it. When, you, when you're going down a street and you see a sign that says dead end, did they tell you what to do or did that sign imply what you should do. It doesn't say, the sign doesn't say, hey, this is a dead end, don't come down this street. Wouldn't it be crazy if you saw a street sign and it had this whole long sentence on it? You're not a child. So when you're not a child, you don't need somebody to tell you what to do all the time. All you need is certain information. When you come out of the house, I mean, I, I was an umpire in softball for, for, for a few years. And I got, I spent so much time outside and I know some of you can relate to this and maybe you develop this skill for lack of a better word, some other way, but you got to the point where you know when it's going to rain, you could smell rain. I, I got to the point that I could smell rain coming and would know when to take certain, certain action. Now, my sense is not as keen as it used to be. I don't spend as much time outside as I used to, but I was really, really, really good at it. Now, once you know whether you smell the rain coming, thought I'd mention that, whether you smell the rain coming or you come outside and you see it beginning to drizzle, nobody told you to go and get an umbrella. There was no sign out there 
There was no no voice that came from the heavens telling you that you needed to go get an umbrella. What I'm basically getting at is you don't need your hand held all the time. And anytime you hear something, just something that just makes you aware, that information, awareness with no direction attached to it, when you look at that and you digest that information, because of the way that your senses have been exercised before, you know what action you need to take. That's the school of thought that I'm from, folks. So if I'm going to, like some people, they have a hard time hearing some of the things I'm saying because they haven't made that connection because they're waiting for somebody to, okay, this is what you said. Now tell me what to do. No, you're either going to know what to do because of what I said or you're going to learn what to do or that thing that I actually warned you about is going to come up and bite you square in your rear and then you're going to know what to do <laughs> after that. So so this is practical information for adults. How about that? So so I'm going to this information about when I talk to you about the, this company with 900 people in their UX department, you know it's going to end. Nobody needs that many people on their UX team. There are, are bigger companies than that that don't have 900 people on their UX team. And I knew for a fact that they had a lot of people that were on their team that were not qualified. They, they like to put out there in the world that they know what they're doing and that they're leaders when it comes to UX and that they have a high maturity level, UX maturity level, but they really didn't. And that particular company has a podcast and that podcast, they share a lot of information that is absolutely worthless. And so I, I heard that and I'm like, that's not a good sign. So when I told, I told my students and I just flat out told them, I didn't just tell them the story. I told them what was going to happen. And a week later, boom, they got rid of a third of their UX team. So somewhere at, at least 300 people lost their job within a week of me saying that. I'm not putting myself on a pedestal. Again, there's another shout out for the hypersensitive people. I'm calling out the fact that you can see these things coming. If you have any experience, you can see these types of things coming. You can read the writing on the wall. When people heard about Meta, I told people over and over and over again, it's time to stop putting these big name companies on a pedestal because they have a big name does not mean that they know what they're doing when it comes to UX and Meta of Facebook is another company that it's like some companies they hire because they can. They don't hire because they should and they certainly don't hire the right people. That's another company with a bunch of people in leadership roles that don't know what they're doing. They have some people that do know what they're doing, but they have a lot of people that don't. And that's going to come back and it's going to bite you. It's a matter of time. There's a lot of other companies that I'm not mentioning. I'll mention Meta. I'm not going to mention that other company. We'll keep that a secret because I know who it is. I see it on my notes right in front of me. But, but it's when companies don't hire the right way, it is a matter of time before that trickles down and it begins to impact people at the personal, the individual level, which is why you look at previous episodes in this current series, you have to vet companies out. There was a company once that was hiring for a UX manager and I was interested in the role and I went to Glassdoor. I went to Glassdoor and I wanted to look up the reviews. Now the reviews can be sometime there, uh, they, you got to take them with a grain of salt. 
But when I went to Glassdoor and I looked at the reviews for that particular company and I saw all the people talking about how toxic that company was. And then I saw how the way that the recruiter was behaving. I started to connect the dots between what that recruiter was doing and what these people were yelling and screaming about on Glassdoor. And I said, you know what? I need to bypass this because you're, you're cruising for a bruising. It is a matter of time before something happens. And, and let me drop a little side note here. I know some of you, you, you like, you, you're hearing the things I'm saying. You're willing to go and look up information about a company before you, or, you know, when you're entering into the, the interview process, or even when you, when you're applying, you, you can't be too early to start trying to look up this information. But Glassdoor has reviews. Indeed has reviews. There's a little known company called Comparably. Look that one up. They don't have as many reviews, but it's like it's almost like triangulation. Let, let me go to multiple sources because if I only look on Glassdoor, I'm selling myself short. I wish LinkedIn would do it. Isn't it interesting that LinkedIn doesn't allow you to do reviews of companies? I wish you could block companies, really, uh, because some companies, I, I know who some of the toxic companies are. I know who many of them are and want absolutely nothing to do with them. And if you treasure your peace of mind more than your pocketbook, you'll do the same thing. There are some people that will just take a job. They don't care where it is, who it is, because they just want to get paid. And I understand when you're trying to make ends meet, and, and, and sometimes you're going to probably have to take a job that you really didn't want to take. However, I, again, highly advise against doing that because it just, folks, it, it, if you take a job when you don't have to, Please don't. How about that? Because I know that some of you are going to take jobs with some of these people. I've done it before. If you, you take a job and you, you regret it. You, you'll sit there. You'll sit in your car dreading going inside because of how you know how this place is. So we know these things happen, but when and where you can't control it, I highly recommend that you do exactly that. So is that fair? So these layoff issues, yes, all of that is related to this. These layoff issues, it's life. It's going to happen. You hate when it happens to you. You hate when it happens to somebody you know. You hate when it happens to anybody. You really wish that something like that wouldn't happen at all. But it, it's life. So we encourage everybody to keep plugging away as you're looking for new jobs but, and things of that nature. But, folks, when you're looking, don't be a sellout. <laughs> because especially if you already have something, don't be a sellout because you could easily walk into a scenario that you'll regret. And it's really easy to go from the frying pan to the fire. So please be careful about that today. Another issue associated with hiring, topic number two, has to do with the fact that we assume, I've said this before, so there's going to be a little bit of redundancy here, but we assume that when a company is hiring, that that company knows what they're doing. A lot of companies, they say they want to hire a UX person. If you go, if I went to LinkedIn right now and I did a search just on UX in jobs, the results 
Oh my goodness, the number of results that come back off the charts. Go to Indeed. The numbers are off the charts. Go to Glassdoor, uh, Dice, uh, wherever you, Monster. Yes, Monster does still exist. Career Builder. The numbers are off the charts. But a lot of those companies are insincere. They have absolutely no desire to hire a real UX person, which is why a lot of companies hire unqualified people for whatever reason that they're doing it. But sometimes because somebody just said, get somebody in here now. And, and, and this actually happens, folks. And then folks will hire anybody they can, anybody who's willing to take on that role. When the truth of the matter is, they don't want to hire UX people. And, and then you and I become the unsuspecting person that takes this role on. And then you come in there. I'll never forget the time by way of a little job nightmare, which I'm also going to address a little bit. I, I went to one company to work for one company and I went to a meeting one day and I think I'm there to do UX work. When you get hired for UX, don't you think you're there to do UX work? So I think I'm there to do UX work and I make UX comments in a meeting with a bunch of developers <laughs> and they looked at me like they wanted to kill me and then promptly ignored everything that I said and continued. And, and I left that meeting wondering where am I? What just happened? And where in the world do I go from here? It was, it was rather amazing, rather an amazing situation. And folks, that kind of thing happens on a regular basis. I just talked to somebody earlier today. Shout out to that person. They know who they are where they're trying to do UX work and who told you that everybody gets along at work? They don't. Uh, and a lot of people, they want nothing to do with UX, very hostile towards UX. That used to show up, on, I believe it was the old Nielsen Norman Group UX maturity ladder. They used to talk about people being hostile toward UX. Then they updated their UX maturity model and removed it as if nobody's hostile toward UX anymore. People are actually more hostile toward UX, including people who have UX in their title, especially when they're incompetent. Someone said on, on LinkedIn the other day, somebody made a point in a private conversation about how it's interesting how incompetent people are counted as competent a lot today in a lot of companies. And a lot of competent people are made to look incompetent and the incompetent people want to take the competent person's place, and they don't, they don't care how they get there. It's a by any means necessary type of, of operation. So it's really challenging today. We, we think companies want to hire. We think that, that, that team members want to support you. We think that companies are mature because they have big names. And folks, no, 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 no. It, it couldn't be further from the truth. And again, somebody says, oh, that Darren, you're doomsaying. Darren, you're, you're being a Debbie Downer. Nope, I'm giving you reality. And if you want to thrive, you're going to embrace it or you're going to run smack dab into what I'm talking about. And because you embrace toxic positivity, you're going to be left up the creek with no paddle. Take the paddle today. When you run into these things, you go, that is exactly what he was talking about. Like a lot of other people have come back to me and said, that's what he was talking about. Okay, now where do we go from here? See, now you're already ahead of the game. 
when that happens and you don't get floored because the other people get floored. And, and isn't it ironic? We spend time getting qualified, whether it was books, whether it was a degree program, a certificate program, whatever it was, you called yourself, I call myself getting qualified to do the work only to have somebody basically either ignore or strip you of your qualifications for whatever reason <laughs> they're doing it. So companies don't really don't assume that a company wants to hire UX. Make sure that you're asking questions during the interview process to find out what in the world they really want and dig, 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 dig. I know people who have done that same thing, done exactly what I said. I've done it. You go into a, an interview, you talk to the company, you ask all the right questions, they give you all the right answers, and then you start on day one and you never came close to being anywhere in a, in a scenario that you were talking about during the interview the rest of your time with that company. Some companies, they just play the game. They put on a front. I knew one company they used to hire people, UX people, developers, a lot of different people. They hire them, get them into the company, they, they, and they would hire them through, through agencies, through recruiting agencies, and then wait until like the 89th day and then get rid of the person so they didn't have to pay the finder's fee. They were just trying to get free work. Now, you would think that would be illegal. It should be illegal. But, you know, the people who are who are are <laughs> the people who made the laws uh, are are in bed with the people who anyway. It, it, so so it's too much like right. It, it'll never happen. So be just be aware and and keep your your critical thinking hat on. Don't assume that just because somebody had a job posting that they really want to hire a UX person. No, not really. You're going to have to find that out on your own whether or not they really want that, whether it's talking to people on the team, asking about, as we said last week, a day in the life of, things of that nature. You need to do that. Uh, otherwise, you're going to make a bunch of assumptions and you're going to get in there and then there's a rude awakening and now you got to get back into the whole job search thing all over again, which is already majorly dysfunctional. So you want to be careful. Oh, and by the way, I think I said this last week, it bears saying again, when you find a good boss, just plant your feet in the ground and don't go anywhere because good bosses do not grow on trees. So just to share that again. Job nightmares. Now, I, I just gave you a couple where they hire people. They don't really want UX folks. They, you go in the company. They have already got a plan in place to get rid of you at day X. And they just, and they just got you like, it's almost like an indentured servant or something, they have no, they're going to abuse you and get you out of the way because they never had any intent on keeping anybody for any length of time anyway. But imagine going into a job, you think they're hired, they hired you to do UX. This happens a lot, folks. So get mad at me if you want, turn off if you want, you're going to run into it <laughs> sooner or later. But somebody will hire you for a UX role and then not allow you to do UX. I know people who've been hired in the UX roles that were baited and switched completely. They were turned into product designers. They were, they were, and yes, there is a difference when they're actually doing that thing. If that person is a product designer, 
then you're going to be turned into nothing but a visual person. Um, you have I've seen people who have been hired and then the company tried to turn them into business analysts. I've seen people who've been hired or heard stories about people being hired and turned into a product manager or a project manager or um, uh, they, you, you come into the job and they turn you into uh, a scrum master and you thought you were just coming in to do UX. And they interviewed you and maybe two or three hats came up during the interview and then you get in there and this is not for a startup company either. And you get in there and the next thing you know, you're wearing eight, nine and 10 hats and, and you're being judged improperly. It, it's these types of things happen and, and people will, they'll give you a UX title, but you're not doing UX work. So that's a job nightmare. What if you go to a company and your boss, all they do is give orders, but they don't do anything to cultivate you. They don't do anything to help you grow. They don't, you don't have a career path at all <laughs> in some companies. So the boss is a boss on paper. They're your manager on paper. They're your director on paper. But when it comes to textbook things that they should be doing to help you grow on a personal and professional level, it doesn't happen. So a job where you have bosses that don't cultivate their people and don't care. I, I heard a story recently about a person who told their boss about a design idea that they had. The boss shot it down, said that they should not do it. The next thing you know, the boss was in front of somebody else presenting that person's idea, their subordinate's idea. And the person just pulled their hair out. Folks, these things happen. These things happen. Folks, I've had a patent stolen from me in my career. These things happen, folks. So you might not want me to talk about this stuff, but I guarantee you when you know about it and you, you get to the point where you can start to identify the signs, you're going to be in a lot different uh, position, uh, a lot better position than if you didn't know. Here's another one. This is still part of the job nightmares, and some people are going to be really upset about this, but I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to help people. You have a lot of people talking about imposter syndrome, right? Lots of folks talking about imposter syndrome. If you want to know what I have to say about that, go out to uxuncensored.medium.com, look up and look at my, my blog post about the truth, about the harsh truth about imposter syndrome, and I won't get into the details about it today. What I want to call out today is there are a lot of people in UX that if you talk to them, they'll tell you that they think they have imposter syndrome. They feel like they're not qualified. They don't have any confidence. They think that they're not good at what they do and that somebody's going to find out that they don't know, all of those things that people associate with imposter syndrome, where the last one I mentioned is really the only one that's sort of, well, that that's what you call self-doubt. I will go this far to mention that. That's in the blog post. But some of the people that feel like they're not qualified actually aren't. And some of the people that are worried that somebody's going to find out they don't know what they're doing don't know what they're doing. And they, they claim imposter syndrome as a crutch, as something they can hide behind when the truth is they're not qualified, they don't know what they're doing. And, and the point I want to get at, though, is this. You're hard-pressed to meet a person that feels that way that's going to be a good team member. You want to get on a massively dysfunction UX team? 
get on a nice size team where most of the people on the team don't think that they deserve to be in the position that they're in and lack lack confidence about the work that they're doing. And then if you know who you are and you have confidence in who you are and confidence in what you can do and you are trained and you do know your stuff, those people don't like people like you. (laughs) They don't. And you're about to find out the whole imposter syndrome thing is nothing more than a cloak of deceitfulness because basically speaking and, and, and a cloak of of dastardly behavior because those are the nastiest and worst people to work with because instead of working for 40 hours, they'll try to work for 30 and spend the other 10 trying to make you look like what they feel they are. That is the worst of the job nightmares to come to work, to make a living, to make ends meet, to take care of your family, to keep a roof over your head, to keep a vehicle so you can get around and take care of your business only to come to work and have to basically fend off people that are acting like we're a bunch of animals in the jungle and they're predatory. So it doesn't get any worse than that from a job nightmare standpoint. When you got people that are out to destroy you, sabotage you all because they just want to get you out of the way because you make them feel incompetent. You make them feel like they lack something. Well, do you? If you lack something, just go get it. There was a, a plenty of times in my career where I didn't have something, and I went out and I got it. When I didn't know something, I went out and I learned it. I practiced it. I made mistakes. I got better. Just do the work. But people today... A lot of people in the UX today, they want the UX job, but they don't want to do the UX work. And so when you come across people like that, their inferiority complexes are usually off the grid, totally off the charts, and they will make your life. Oh my goodness, those people will, those are the people that will have you sitting in the parking lot dreading coming into work because you know how you're going to be treated. So it's amazing. And I saw a fantastic article this past weekend about workplace bullying. And and it highlighted that type of thing. There are people who were bullies on the playground when we were kids. And now a lot of those same people. And interestingly, the tables have flipped. It's not the people necessarily that were bullies when they were kids. There are other people who become bullies. There are people who were bullied who become bullies when they grow up. And so that's pretty, that's pretty rough folks, but it happens a lot to sit and go out to lunch with somebody for the express purpose of trying to, to set up somebody else's demise. Adults are doing this. Sounds like something off of a soap opera, but it's happening. And so you and I, if you're going to be on this side of the fence, the honorable side that really wants to do the work, that really wants to be qualified, that really wants to do everything you can to help lift other people up all the time and never do anything to bring any debt, have any detrimental impact upon anybody else at any given time. When you're willing to operate like that, you become a target. So, and until we're in the majority, matter of fact, we don't even have to be in the, we'll have to be in the majority. It's still going to happen. 
to a certain extent because those people, they just don't seem, seem to rest unless it causes somebody else grief. So again, take it folks, swallow it. This is the rudder I'm offering you. This is the, these are the oars I'm offering you to paddle your boat, to steer your boat. Um, because if you don't, or you want to pretend like this stuff isn't real, again, it's going to bite you and you're going to regret it. It's happening, folks. It's happening. We're going to wrap up this potpourri segment related to the job world by talking about our qualifications. Again, where do we go to help us grow? Now, I, I did an episode once about the importance of a PLN, a personalized learning network. So you want to listen to that if you want to get some downloads on this in great detail. But look at the resources we have today. And remember, when you when you are getting into UX, when you're in UX, you have opted into, you have made a commitment to lifelong learning. We must continue. Continued education is at the core of who we are. You have books. You can get a degree. You have certifications that you can get. I mean, real certifications, not fake ones. There's a lot of fake certifications out here in UX. And no, we're not talking about certifications and processes. There's people that are getting certifications in processes now. I got such and such a UX certification. Really? Don't they specialize in processes? Isn't that group actually taking a bunch of stuff that already existed and rebranding everything so they can make more of a name for themselves and try to make it look like they have something that other people don't? No. No, no, that that not those. We're not talking about those certifications. You can go to conferences. And, and yes, conferences are tough today because most conferences are really engaging in some degree of sensationalism. And so it makes it something to avoid instead of something to gravitate to. So, so just no one understand that today. Just because there's a conference doesn't mean the conference is good. Uh, you really have to vet out what's happening at a conference before you put your money out there. And some of them will rake you dry for your money to go too. But at any rate, then there's podcasts. There's a growing number of UX podcasts today. Just because somebody has a podcast doesn't mean they're saying anything of note. There's a lot of pod, UX podcasts. Back up for a moment. There's a lot of UX podcasts where people are spreading misinformation. They are spreading toxic positivity. They're not telling people what they need to know. The people on the podcast don't have any experience. So they really don't have anything to share. And they need to be quiet for a few more years. This is just the reality of it. <laughs> and so when you, I mean, would you allow, would you go and sit over at your friend's house and let their four-year-old child give you advice on life? No. Would you let that four-year-old child give you advice for your budget? No. Would you let that four-year-old child come up with a, a nutrition plan for you? No. Why then do we have people in UX, and let me rephrase this, why is it that people are so willing to listen to folks who don't have any experience speak about things beyond their years? Not that they did it accurately, and a lot of them are actually stealing content from other people, and then doing it because they want to become a celebrity. So they'll sit and listen to this podcast or look at somebody else's podcast or YouTube channel or look at their blog post and then go and, and regurgitate the same stuff 
as if they're doing somebody a favor when in fact their audience doesn't know that the person that they stole from exists. So the, so the perp gets away with it. We need to make sure we have a strong personalized learning network, find the right books, not just any books, the right books, get a degree if you want, if you can afford it and you're willing, you still can't beat getting a degree. Although there's a problem in education today and you have to be careful where you go to school because there's a UX maturity level problem at the educational level today. They don't realize that they need to be mature in UX in order to prescribe the right courses to put together the right curriculum. So it's not just the boot camps that mess that up. The universities are starting to mess up now because they think that the many of them think that the boot camps are their competition and now they're playing down to the competition, so to speak. And now that's creating a problem for the prospective student. So get a certification. There are some good ones out there like eCornell. For those of you who are looking, you don't want to get a degree. You definitely don't want to do a boot camp, but you'd like to do something more formal, more structured, especially if the institution is accredited. Go to eCornell. The program costs less than $4,000 last I heard. You're going to get instruction from from people who work at an accredited institution. The curriculum is going to be structured right. The courses are going to be structured right. You, you get to engage in, in presentation, application, and feedback, all the building blocks of a sound learning experience, and you can take it to the heights. So you've got that. Conferences, make sure you vet it out. If you see a bunch of clickbaity, sensationalistic talks that are going to be at a conference, go the other way. It's garbage. It's garbage. And there's usually a bunch of money tied to that. Debbie Levitt had her a Delta CX conference. She put a price tag on it and people weren't signing up. Why? And the same people will pay $800 to go to another conference and get nothing. And now she's giving you something that's worth way more. And she puts more content out than anybody, pretty much. And she puts content out there that's worth what you paid to go to that conference. And the conference people are charging you hundreds of dollars in some cases just to walk away with a pile of slop, the equivalent thereof. So we, we be careful when you're looking at the conferences. Be careful when you're vetting them out. Make sure you develop a strong filter. Don't just say, oh, they're talking about UX. I want that. It may be the wrong thing. It could be full of misinformation. It could be counterproductive. It could be detrimental to your own personal and professional growth. So it's important that we vet things out. It's important. Know where to go for education. The podcast, which I already talked about. Every podcast isn't, isn't right, and all podcasts are not created equal. So make sure that you go to the right places for education. Make sure you have dedicated yourself to continued education, and make sure to level up as best you can so even though companies might be hiring insincerely and maybe maybe we do work to get qualified only to have people blow us off but that's not an excuse to not be qualified let's make sure we're qualified today let's make sure we have what we need to thrive and bring value to everybody we come in contact with that's the degree of ethics or the, the, that ethical approach to our career that we need to take today so I hope you're with me on that I hope you're willing to partner with me on that. I hope you're on board with me with that. So, folks, that is all the time we have for this little potpourri section or session 
<laughs> Actually, we were talking about the UX job landscape. So until next time, this is Darren Hood, the host of The World of UX, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.